the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, good morning. Good afternoon, everybody. I keep saying morning. I'll, I'll get used to that eventually. But uh, you know, let's start off uh, just, you know, because things are getting negative again, so let's be positive. You must be the change you wish to see in the world, Gandhi. Everyone is a genius, eventually. A life spent making mistakes is not only more honorable, but more useful than a life spent doing nothing. George Bernard Shaw, and then finally, uh, he who fears, he will suffer, already suffers because he fears. All right, uh, so, you know, we always send you to our uh, uh, webpage, which uh, if you go to WHK1420 and uh, hit up the uh, local podcast, it's, it's up on the top line, and, and then uh, go across or go down to Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes, et cetera, et cetera. You can go direct link to my, my webpage. And, look, I, I highly recommend uh, going to our, uh, you know, exploring the website a little bit, uh, especially if in the insight area. You know, we, we have a good thing about exploring international stocks, and uh, we're also talking about opportunities in a zero-interest-rate world, which are two really good pieces, I think. Uh, also, you know, I keep talking about these. I've had a couple people send in for them. I highly recommend them. Look, I know there's a lot of business owners that listen to my show because I've talked to them. <laughs> and if you're planning to sell your business, uh, we have a great piece called the Business Owner's Guide to Transition Planning. And I found that uh, uh, quite a, I've sent this to several of my business owners, and uh, they really liked it. Uh, especially, uh, look, one of the things I found out in the last four or five years is private equity is trying to knock your, your price down pretty drastically. We have some people you should talk to uh, who I think could get you a much better price for your business if you are selling. But we also have the Savvy Investors Credit Handbook. Uh, what a great piece that is. Uh, you know, what a be- is there no better time in the history on the planet to borrow money than when interest rates are basically at zero? Uh, for the, from the Federal Reserve. So, I mean, you're looking at 2.5%, 3%, uh, which makes a, a lot, a world of difference. We also have the Family Inventory Workbook and the Wealth Plan. And, and the Wealth Plan is interactive. So you make changes. I see them right away. We can have a conversation right away. You get scared. I understand why. And uh, we take it from there. Uh, we, we also have quite a few things that you can send in for, all right? Uh, and that is uh, things like our our ADR list, we're starting to talk about foreign stocks a little bit more. Our prime income list, our dividend growth list, our top ideas. Boy, our top ideas have some really great ideas this, this time around. So uh, I kind of highly recommend it. Also, we have a newsletter that if you want to get set up on, just, you know, uh, some, some people don't like it. emails. Don't, you know, say you don't. <laughs> I had a gentleman last week who said he didn't. I, I took him off the list right away. So uh, we have a newsletter that comes out every month. It's kind of the non- stock and bond stuff, but it's financial stuff that you need to know. This one is kind of a, a scenario that, uh, you know, tapping retirement savings during a financial crisis, you know, should you or shouldn't you, you know, what are the pros and cons? Debit or credit card, pick a card. 
and por- portfolio uh, performance. Choose your benchmark wisely. Okay, like right now, everybody's you know rushing into the uh, uh, the S and P five hundred, and in my humble opinion, uh, I think there's there's a lot of risk in the S and P five hundred simply because of the fact of that, that there's five or six stocks that are way overvalued that are keep going up every day. Okay. All right, Dan. So uh, there you go. So you can get any of those. You know, there's uh, on Insight. If you go to the, uh, I'm sorry, on my webpage. If you go to Insight, there's exploring international markets and and opportunities in a in a zero interest rate market. But if you go below, there's Bob Dickey's work. Bob is our head technical analyst, and it's the technical idea of the day. Uh, you'll see that JD Power ranked us number one in consumer satisfaction. I'm very proud of that. And uh, also, uh, there's all sorts of email me's and contact me. So if you'd like any of that material, please do. All right. So France, Italy, Britain, and their neighbors are accelerating hundreds of millions of euros in investments on new biking infrastructure schemes to get people pedaling. Uh, Paris residents can get up to 500 euros in subsidies by electric bike and a reimbursement to repair an old bike, by the way. Uh, and Italy and, and Britain are doing the same thing. So that's kind of interesting. MBA applications have seen the biggest jump this year among the global top 10 business schools with a 57% rise in applications for the coming academic year. Isn't that interesting? Uh, globally, the U.S. exported 955 million of American whiskey in 2019. Uh, I think that might have something to do with bourbon. Uh, maybe, 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 maybe. Um, you know, I like to start off kind of with strategy and, uh, you know, uh, we, uh, Lori Calcivina, who's our head strategist, uh, puts out a report called the Monday Morning Quarterback. And she had two points, and I, I thought uh, these were interesting points, so I, I thought I'd bring them up. First of all, pessimism may have certainly got too extreme uh, recently. Uh, you know, once again, pessimism is down where it was when we bottomed. Um, now, the bullish percent has gone from 80 to 56, so it's come a long way down. Who knows? And the other thought she had was that the stock market has decoupled from Trump. And what she means by that is uh, that, you know, the market's going up and Trump's falling behind, uh, which is, uh, you know, that, that's not a good, you know, I mean, if you're a Republican, that's not a good thing. <laughs> uh, if you're uh, a Democrat, that's a really good thing. Now, one, one of the things she did note is that in the last 22 elections, it's how the stock market did in October. And the, the, the four or five weeks before the election, it, it determines the election. So we got to root for, you know, if you're rooting for Trump, you got to root for, uh, you know, a good positive stock market during that period of time. Um, you may recall, um, you know, the last month of uh, Mr. Obama's uh, reign uh, were pretty ugly. So uh, uh, we, we, we uh, lost, um, or he, the, the, Democrats lost that uh, that particular scenario. So, uh, you know, it, it it is what it is. Uh, but you know, you just want to make sure that you understand that. So, uh, somebody somebody said, you know, Tim, you're being negative. I said, I'm not being negative. So I, I think it's uh, I think it's the way it is. You know. So, there we go. Now, look, um, you know, we we put out a really nice piece called the Asset Allocation Guide, and and I think it, it it's a good piece. It, one of the things that we've been talking about in fixed income is the Fed's efforts since March have largely restored orders of fixed income markets. Uh, 
We don't expect the Fed to pull back anytime soon. And, and Fed officials have forecasted that federal funds rates likely remain at zero through 2022. That's why I'm saying if you're going to borrow money, uh, a credit access line is a good way to do it. But, you know, so the market expectation is growing that the next unconventional policy tool could be yield curve control, which we've talked about for about a month now, okay, where the Fed pledges to buy treasuries as needed to achieve the specific targets and the specific maturities, like, you know, they focused on uh, three- and five-year treasuries. So, you know, the yields on those, the two, the, the five, and the seven are coming down, while the yields on the uh, the 10 and the 30 are staying up there. So it's kind of a what we're looking at is, is a, a more steep yield curve, which is interesting. Uh, anyway, the other thing is since the March lows in equity markets, the COVID-19 outlook has improved, and monetary and fiscal uh, stimulus has been unprecedented. So the economies have begun to reopen. I mean, for example, I don't know if you saw the uh, the um, – the numbers for the employment situation on Friday, on Thursday, I'm sorry, they were really big again. So there we go. And we think the proper way to address long-term opportunities, while not, you know, look, there's lingering risk here, okay, but is to be invested, but not fully invested, maybe, okay. So I got I got cash on the sidelines, and um, I probably will for a while. But you know, I've definitely reduced my cash overweight in the last. Uh, several months. And, uh, you know, I, I said back in January that uh, I thought that, you know, we were being in a situation where, um, you know, we'd, we'd have a correction. So I started raising cash and I even sold some of the big ones. So I'll uh, just leave it at that. Uh, now, given that, um, you know, if you look at the yield curve, and I think this is important because this, I think, is going to be what the Fed is looking for. You want to buy what the Fed is looking for, okay? What, the, what they're trying to buy. But, uh, so you know, we were looking at the recommended yield curve uh, positioning, and we like five to seven years, seven to ten, and then ten years plus. Uh, and and I think we expect that the Fed will need to uh, to keep the rate zero for a pretty long time. So uh, what we're we're looking for is yield that we can we can grab. Now, one of the things that you have to worry about. Uh, is that the Fed has grown its balance sheet from under $800 billion to over $7 trillion today. So from 2008 till today, that's a big, big move. And this growth has come from a series of asset purchase programs designed to support prices in various fixed income markets. Back in 2008, it was, it was the money markets. They had blown up. Um, the 17 money markets broke the buck. And numerous companies could not, could not roll their commercial paper. GE was the biggest one that I can remember. And so it was a process called quantitative easing. Now, money growth of uh, this magnitude should be inflationary under most uh, economic uh, theories. But after a few dozen years and trillions of dollars, you know, the Commodity Research Bureau Index is back where it was in 1959. Now, Commodity Research Bureau Index is what the commodities guys look at. You know, they're, they're, they're looking for, uh, uh, you know, changes. And, and obviously, you've been a deflationary environment. So the, the problem is, is that the Fed keeps putting money out there and the banks just keep putting into the reserves. So they're kind of pushing on a string. So when the Fed wants lending, it gets reserves. And that's not what they're looking for. I, I think that'll change. But if it does change, look, uh, gold starts the process. And we've been on gold since last summer about this time. Bob Dickey put out a piece. I sent it to everybody. And I think, you know, you got to pay close attention to that. And, and I think it's very, very important uh, 
but if you look at the you know the core year over year change, nothing's happened. Uh, you know, for since 2000, basically, we've been in this low inflation environment. So it's actually a deflationary trend that they're trying to get rid of. All right. So now I noticed Friday. Okay, what was leading the market was the materials, the energy, and the industrials. That's value, folks. Okay, so take it from there. All right. So the other thing I wanted to mention was, uh, you know, the the bank uh, situation this week. The banks were uh, talked about. Uh, they had their stress test, and a lot of banks were uh, allowed to maintain their dividends. I think Wells Fargo was the only one that didn't. Uh, so, you know, following the Federal Reserve's board of the Dodd-Frank stress test, uh, we saw that most the results were, were mostly the, the firms that were in there are, would be able to keep their, their dividends. Now, there will be some resubmissions, okay? So it'll be interesting to see how they do. I'd also suggest that a couple of the names that didn't make it are pretty high-quality names, and I bet you they make it next time. <laughs> uh, let's take a break. This is Smart Investor Show. We'll be right back with, the, uh, w- with a couple of things on uh, actually a good book and a couple other things talking about the markets. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Uh, I hope you're having a great Fourth of July, by the way. So far, uh, you know it, it's it's hard to have this show on Fourth of July. I understand, but it is podcast. So if you go to WHK fourteen twenty, and you go to local podcast, go down Smart Investor Show. You can get this podcast and uh, listen to it before you go to work next week, so uh, you, you don't screw up your holiday. Anyway, the other thing, by the way, if you want any of the materials I talked about, like the prime income list, the dividend growth list, or the Savvy Credit Investor's Handbook, or uh, any help with, uh, you know, Business Owner's Guide to Transition Planning, that type of thing, or a wealth plan, information on a wealth plan, let us know. Uh, you just There's a lot of contact me, email me. Make sure you go to the Insight column and uh, exploring international markets and opportunity in zero interest rate markets. Good stuff. You know, uh, we hosted a call with a guy named uh, Evangelist Samadius, and uh, it's actually Doctor. Uh, he's author of Transportation Transformation and How Autonomous Mobility Will Fuel New Value Chains. So, to discuss the landscape of the next gen mobility and the impact on on you know what's going on out there, and we're talking about software now. Ultimately, what he believes is the convergence of these themes will lead to a model shift from car ownership to what we call mobility as a service. And we've discussed the opportunities and the challenges for OEMs, et cetera. And uh, by the way, if you'd like this information, please call uh, or you know, go to the webpage. The phone number is 888-223-7742. Now, uh, he, he sees a model shift from car ownership to mobility as a service, and that's uh, the convergence of transportation-related megatrends will lead to this fundamental shift in transformation. And transportation, I'm sorry. So there'll be no new mobility will give rise to new value chains. And for, you know, so the difference, the different competencies of a company participating allows them to operate certain function, uh, functionality at a certain economy, which is important. Okay. In turn, it is unlikely for one pro- provider to control the entire value chain, which is very positive for the markets, by the way. Uh, so there's, you know, you're looking at, uh, Probably two or three things here. Essentially orchestrated multi-model mobility offered as a service. 
uh, a dominant role of multi-model public and private fleets, most of uh, which are AVs probably, and uh, coexistence of mobility services with privately owned vehicles. And I think COVID, uh, you know, has made this, uh, accelerated this. And so it's now, it's, you know, you've got to look at a couple things. It'll be connected. You know, the questions remain on the industry, how to equip the car. It'll be connected with 5G. Trust me on that. It'll be autonomous. Companies have realized passenger transportation must be not be the most important use near term. And then it'll be shared. Uh, so it'll probably be electrified, too. So just, you know, while you're thinking about that. But it's a great book. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's called Mobility Will Fuel the New Value Chains. Transportation Transformation, How Autonomous Mobility Will Fuel New Value Chains. And I highly recommend it. If you'd like the piece I have on it, uh, please let me know. In the meantime, uh, Mark Mahaney, who's really, I mean, he's on CNBC all the time, so if you're watching it, you know who I'm talking about, uh, is constantly talking about uh, mobility. And, and what he is is a software analyst. We have two big software analysts. And I remember I talked two years ago on this show, you know, calling for this software uh, information, calling, calling, calling. Most of those stocks are up two, 300% now. Uh, there's a couple that, you know, made a 100% jump and they kind of downgrade them and then they got whacked. But most of them that they recommended are up two, 300%. So they're good at what they do. Uh, Mark does consumer software and Matt Hedberg does more corporate software. And they got some really good ideas right now. So give me a call if you like those. Uh, Mark Mahaney has a new piece out called Mobility Matters, our third ride-sharing update. And it seems to think that ride-sharing is not as bad as everybody thinks it is. You'd like a copy of that report? You know where to uh, go to WHK 1420 down to local podcast Tim Hayes in the in uh, Smart Investor Show. All right. So, uh, you know, we, we've been talking about uh, for some time now um, a – you know uh, the markets, and I think I think you've got to start to think about a balanced portfolio of secular and cyclical growth stocks. I don't think you can just sit there and have growth stocks. You know, because these things aren't going to go to the moon. Trust me on that. Because every everybody says it's different this time, and it's probably not. Okay, and uh, so cyclicals are showing uh, real big evidence of bottoming, and it's a very important technical support. It's a very important technical support, which I think it's the 50-day of the 200 moving average most of the time, and it's in airlines, it's in industrials, it's in rails, it's in home builders, it's in cruise lines, chemicals, etc. So, look, I, I, I think if you look at the big picture, you know, we talk about this four-year cycle, and I said uh, last year that I thought, uh, you know, we we're coming to the, to the end of the four-year cycle and have a problem. So, um, we are starting that four-year cycle again coming up here in the next year, so it'll probably be a big positive. And uh, look, you got you got bond yields as an all-time low, and bonds usually work on a 34-year cycle. So, I mean, we're we're probably yields are going to stay down for a while, is what I'm trying to say. And if you look at drawdowns uh, of more than 35 percent, they're usually near a major cycle low, and that's what we had this this spring. So. Uh, I think we could have some big positives. Now, we, I listened to Bob Schleimer this week, and Bob's with Funstad. He used to be uh, RBC's uh, head technical guy for the entire company, uh, where Bob Dickey just does the the uh, wealth management group. And uh, he talks about four-year cycles, too. 
So he still thinks there's, you know, a lot of time here uh, where we're, we're going to be able to, uh, you know, we went through a secular bear market from 2000, basically to about 2013. And uh, so he really thinks uh, that there's going to be a lot of uh, movement. Now, what most people are thinking, okay, is that there is a, you know, a bear market, uh, you know, are we in a bear market rally? Well, we could be, but we're, we're holding, you know, uh, we're holding our own at places uh, that I think are important. And I looked at uh, some things like uh, overbought, oversold scenarios, and we're basically still very oversold on a monthly basis. So that's positive. Um, I also looked at the weekly scenario and I, I think the weekly scenario is a, is, a little bit, uh, you know, if I look at the, the momentum, it's still overbought. Uh, so it's probably peaking a little bit. Um, so, you know, Bob Dickey and Bob Sh- Rob Schleimer are both kind of agreeing that, you know, hey, we're probably going to go sideways for a while before we go up. Uh, and, and I think that's the case. If, if I look at the quadrant balance indicator on the S&P on a monthly basis, it's, it's up there, okay, which is, means it's overbought. So uh, what, we've, what we'll probably see is like, what I'm seeing is stocks, uh, you know, last week we had two days where they took about 12 stocks out and knocked them down 20%. And so I think it won't be an overall market move down uh, unless they start to hammer some of the big growth stocks because they're getting out of control, I think, on the upside. But look, I looked at the short-term indicators, and, you know, Bob said this too, uh, the daily momentum is tracking, you know, two to four-week swings, basically is winning about 1.5% of turning turning up from oversold scenarios. So, uh, what I do like, I, I do have some questions about is if I look at the S&P 500 and the VIX. Now, the VIX is the, the volatility index or the fear index. Man, it's, it's staying up there, okay? Uh, it's, it's not, you know, with the type of rally we had here, uh, you would think it would be down in the, you know, the 10 or 5 area. It's still in the 30s. So uh, that is, you know, by the way, it's the same with the NDX. And, and the uh, and the QQQs, uh, so I, I don't know. Um, then I looked at the weekly, uh, you know, the weekly charts on the Russell 2000, and I guess the hard part here is you can't figure out if we're at a pause or a peak. Now, normally, when you've had uh, the quadrant balance indicator get as overbought as we've had, like it did back in 2000, um, and well, let's go back to 2010. Uh, or 11, I'm sorry, the weekly balance indicator or, or the quadrant balance indicator got way overbought and then the the Russell took off, okay? Uh, the small caps, I mean, the micro caps really took off. Uh, so the question is, are, you know, is a short-term low developing? Uh, you know, are the, the, I'm starting to see more and more small caps, you know, uh, people pay attention to them, okay? So that that's, that's uh, interesting. Uh, not absolutely sure where we are, but the put-to-call ratio is still fairly bullish. Uh, the put-to-call ratio uh, is retreating from very overbought levels, but uh, uh, that's interesting. Now, look, if you're looking at growth versus value, growth still is way ahead of value, but I'm uh, two days in a row this week, I saw where value was, you know, value stocks were up one and a half, two 2%, and the growth stocks suffered. Um, so the one thing I did see on a weekly basis is there's <laughs> growth way above value, uh, uh, you know, and it's it's a high uptrend. Okay, you know, we we thought that a couple of weeks ago on a daily uh, chart that growth would uh, 
uh, growth was suffering a little bit, and, and then it rallied back up. But if you look at high beta versus low, low beta, you know, high beta is just pausing or pulling back, it looks like to me. Uh, you know, I mean, it's a good-looking chart is what I'm trying to tell you. Also, if I look at high beta versus large-cap growth, high beta still wins. So, uh, you know, it's not something to, to get terribly confused, I mean, uh, um, upset about. Uh, usually, like I said, when we get to 80 on the bullish percent, the market is positive 12 months later. And when the advanced decline line gets up there, it's the same thing. So, so the, if I looked at the uh, Morgan Stanley Corporate Index, the EFA, the ETF, it, it looks like a stall at, the, at a resistance, okay? Uh, but some of the emerging markets uh, stuff is looking pretty good. Uh, the EEM is, once again, stalling at that same resistance, so you've got to be a little bit more careful. Um, I, I did notice that uh, a couple of the uh, Chinese – ETFs are holding up extreme, actually up for the year. So there you go. Now, somebody asked me about yields, and, you know, Alan Greenspan said that is, you know, numerous times. So, you know, what, what's the scoop about interest rates? Well, it's kind of hard, but uh, they're deeply oversold, but they're in a secular downtrend. And uh, look, if you look at the relative strength indicators, uh, it, they're down at the bottom, which is where you normally buy them. But the last time that happened, we bounced and came right back down. So I just think we're in a, in a trading range, and we'll probably be in a trading range for a pretty long time. Um, that's my opinion. The dollar uh, has shown some very positive stuff, and then it showed a double top. <laughs> so uh, it's right at the downtrend line, so it would be interesting to see if it holds. I think it may just, uh, you know, the weekly momentum remains negative, and I, I, I don't know how how that's going to turn out, but I would suggest that, uh, you know, we could have uh, a weaker dollar is what it comes down to. Crude oil filled the gap, which is positive, but I do think it's going to sit between 20 and, and 30 for a long time. Gold looks great. Gold breaks 1,800. I think we're going to be in a great shape. In the meantime, we'll be right back with a bullish percent. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes once again. And uh, like I said, any of the materials you hear on this show, you'd like to get uh, the Mark Mahaney piece on the, the uh, ride-sharing stuff, uh, the prime income list, dividend growth portfolio, our best ideas, you know, that type of thing. Please just go to my uh, to WHK, uh, the local podcast, down to Smart Investor Show, and it goes directly to my, uh, my webpage. You know, this week we had Alan Zukin. Alex Zukin on, uh, who's one of our analysts on software. And uh, he's looking for a high 30% revenue growth. Now, some of those are, you know, they're the high flyers, so just remember that. But he, he had uh, uh, some really good ideas. You know, he follows stuff like uh, Slack and uh, uh, Zoom Media and Docu, uh, uh, Zendesk, uh, Twillow, Adobe, those type of names. And if you'd like a copy of that report, uh, please let me know. Um, so I was looking at things uh, over the week, and, and you know, I, I noticed a couple things. Uh, you know, if you looked at positive returns for ETFs for the for the year, uh, there's only one, and uh, well, there's two: uh, the Vanguard Bond Index and the, and the Barclays uh, uh, Seven to Ten Bond Index have been positive. And the gold trust, which, you know, we've been in pretty – I've been in gold stocks for the most part. 
uh, have been positive. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting, and it, uh, I'm going to go over that a little bit more, um, you know, as we get a little bit closer in the show. But I did notice, you know, one of the things that's kind of a bearish interpretation is that the bull, bullish percent has come down, but the VIX has stayed where it is. Uh, I think that could be a problem, and uh, you know we'll talk about the bullish percent in a, in a, in a minute. And I also noticed that the mid caps took the top spot in dynamic asset level investing, which we'll talk about. Anyway, uh, the bullish percent is just simply a chart that goes from zero to 100, and uh, what it does is provides you with information on risk. So uh, when we get over 70. That's when we had high risk. We were just at 80 two weeks ago. And when we get below 30, that's when there's low risk. Uh, and we provide that with you, too. But the column of X's means we have the offensive team on the field. The column of O's means we have the defensive team on the field. Uh, just because you're a column O's doesn't mean you have to sell everything. Okay? That's, that's not what we're talking about. It just means there's more risk involved. And so what you maybe want to do is raise some cash. You may want to uh, find your laggards and sell them. Okay? Uh, you know, that type of thing. All right? Uh, so... Uh, what I found is that when we're in a column of O's, things get happen a lot faster than when we're in a column of X's. It's about that simple. So uh, we did go down 14% this week, and everybody said, I didn't see it. The market was up a little bit. No, it wasn't. It was down for the week. And uh, I'm going Thursday to Thursday now. It was down for the week, and uh, uh, just, just down half a percent, but we're still down for the week. And, you know, like I said, there was two days in a row where we had 20 stocks that were down 20% or more. Two days in a row. So if you didn't, there's a, there's a current underneath the market. So you're, you're hearing what CBNBC is saying, but you're not seeing the overall market. That's why I look at so many charts every week. The over-the-counter index was down 7.5% uh, in a column. At their, by the way, the New York Stock Exchange bullish index is at, at 52%. Uh, the over-the-counter is at 50 and uh, the world index was down 6.48. So we did have a, it was a rough week is what I'm trying to tell you. And all the major bullish indicators are now in a column of O's. They're hovering around midfield, uh, which, is, which is good if they hold. The other thing I think is positive is that the positive trend indicators all remain in a column of X's and they're at midfield. And that's, that's a longer-term indicator. So uh, uh, it, that's kind of interesting. Now, I looked at some of you know, the, the, the best second-quarter performers, and they were gold miners, the genomic revolution, uh, the innovative ATFs, uh, oil and gas exploration, home construction, uh, the MLP uh, stuff, the biotech stuff. Uh, you know, so, uh, by the way, First Trust Al- uh, Technology Alphadex portfolio is very good. Uh, now, for the year, uh, well, I, I just, I'm not going to go through that, but it, it's, uh, it's kind of more of the same. The, uh, and we're seeing the gold miners are leading the way, and we've been on that for a while now, and some of the cloud computing names, uh, and I, I, it's just a lot of technology, oil and gas, and gold. So oil and gas and gold, by the way, are uh, considered value stocks. Healthcare really led the way, though, uh, in, in the last month. Uh, healthcare was up 13%, and the uh, energy infrastructures was up 11 and aerospace was up 11 So... Uh, there we go. But, uh, you know, I, I said last week that we had been 11, 12 weeks in a row of uh, positive uh, momentum, and uh, most of that died this week uh, with the exception of small cap funds. Small caps are leading the way right at the moment. Uh, small caps and mid caps are leading the way. 
So I think that'll probably stay that way for a while. Um, you know, it may be negative for a couple of weeks, but uh, small cap growth has looked pretty good, uh, you know, in the last, I, I would say, well, I'll take it from the, we'll just take it second quarter performance, small cap and uh, the Russell 2000 ETF uh, growth ETF and the mid cap growth ETF for Russell all look really good. They've been leading the way. So it's been the smaller names, not the bigger names. Uh, all those, I think some of the bigger names are influencing the S&P 500 uh, a little bit. So low volatility was weak basically across all the U.S. equity markets. So all those people who bought those low volatility funds uh, for the last two, three years uh, got st- stomped on. <laughs> Uh, and it, you know, it's, it's, it's not, I, I, I'm sorry. I laughed. I said, it's not funny, but usually what you're looking at is a scenario normally where when everybody goes to something, that's when you get beat up. So you got to watch that herd instinct is why uh, I'm chuckling a little bit. I don't mean to be, uh, but the contrarian view is very interesting. Uh, we went to favorite sectors and there are 29 favorite sectors again. So, uh, you know, they're not giving up. And what I'm going to talk about is, is just the favorite sectors, and I'm going to start from the most overbought, okay? So semiconductors are at 70. Uh, at 65 are software and housing. At 60 are biotech, precious metals, building, and Internet. At 55, uh, medical, machinery, real estate, autos, electric uh, products, business products, and protection services. At 50 are computers, electric utilities, steel, telecom, chemicals, drugs, financials, and uh, retail. And then at, at 40, uh, we have uh, aerospace, textiles, uh, waste management, leisure, and healthcare. And then uh, at 34, we have oil and restaurants. And then at 30, we have oil service. So uh, I would start to buy from the last names I talked about and move up. Okay, so anything under 50 might be a good time to be taking a look and, and buying things. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, there are times when, like, for example, biotech has moved from 40 to, to, uh, to 60 in this last week. So a lot of biotech names went on the nuts on the upside. So what you've got to be paying attention to there is it's, that momentum might take it up to 80. All right, so it's where the momentum is that uh, you, you, where you want to be buying if they're up there a little bit. Uh, sector positive changes, I, you know, it was kind of interesting. I saw precious metals go to favorite status. Uh, restaurants, aerospace, and technology or um, textiles, which weren't most favored, are just mildly favored now. Gaming, for, forest and paper products, and non-ferrous metals are average. Gas utilities went uh, unfavored, and banks went way unfavored. On the international side, what I thought was interesting is I was looking at ETF uh, performance, and EMQQ and uh, KWeb were two of the best-performing ETFs for the for the second quarter. All right, so people weren't expecting that China to do well because of the trade war, but they they've done quite well. And I looked at the, the ETFs on uh, bonds, and it was mostly uh, convertible bonds, and we've been kind of uh, blowing that horn for a pretty long time now. So uh, uh, convertible bonds, if, if we get a correction, I'd love to buy some. Now, crude has been positive for 10 weeks, so it'll be interesting to see. Gold just turned positive after six weeks of being negative. So we'll see what gold does. If gold were to break 1825, I think it'd be off to the races. But the gasoline fund uh, had 
was up big uh, on the quarter. It was up like 87%. And, and gold and precious metal uh, miners ETFs, there's one of them that was up 71%. So um, we're seeing a lot of these commodity ETFs make big, big moves. Okay. So uh, I, I have seen some of the commodity things like the agricultural commodities make moves in the other direction, by the way. So, you know, it's been more of the metals and the oils. Um, anyway, uh, so I was looking and uh, somebody asked me about relative strength. And, you know, relative strength is a measure of how a stock is performing when compared to something else. In this case, the equal weighted S&P 500. Uh, so what they do is they take the stock's closing price and each day is divided by the, the uh, equal weighted index. And when it becomes a relative strength buy signal, you should pay attention. And so here's a couple that have become relative strength buys. The Align Technology. Now, this was a home run on the insiders. Uh, we bought this back at 9 bucks, and it's now $274, uh, but it's, it's dropped from 300 something okay? Uh, GP, GP Strategies, Industrial Goods, low-priced low one. App. Alpha Pro Tech, which has been shown up on the charts. Genmark uh, Diagnostics, another one. Accelerating Technology. Remember uh, the, the big insider buy-in in that company. And International Assets Holdings, uh, Navos Maritime LP. Uh, that's industrial goods. It's kind of in the oil business, too. Rite Aid and Superior Uniform Group. Trinet, which is industrial goods, and PaySign Financial Services. And Sono. Sonos, I'm sorry. Sonos, by the way... A lot of rumors about that stock being a takeover target. Who knows? Uh, that's a rumor. I'm not suggesting you buy any of these stocks, by the way. Uh, moving to a sell signal was Atlanticus Holdings. That was a home run on insider buying. Remember uh, a couple years ago, there were several insiders bought it at a dollar to a dollar ten. Uh, it's it's at ten bucks now. Um, it was high as fourteen. Uh, Excalon, the electric utility, Landec Corporation, PG&E, which is another electric utility. It looks like they're coming out of bankruptcy. Tenant Healthcare, Unisys, Amberella in the semiconductor area, Cure, uh, which is in biotech, uh, Penn, Virginia, which is an oil company, and uh, there you go. So there's there's quite a few names out there that have, uh, uh, I, I mean, it's been a divided market. Like, you know, for example, agricultural commodity stocks have been down. Metal stocks have been up, all right? So it'll, it'll be interesting to see uh, how the, if it continues like this, uh, you know, for any period of time. I think the important part is, is that the last couple of days, we've seen those value stocks come back. You know, that may be people are looking for inflation maybe, all right? Because value does better than growth during the inflation period of times because they own the inflation hedges, all right? The metals, the golds, et cetera. So keep that in mind. Hey, uh, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back with insiders and um, we'll talk soon. Okay, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes, and I hope you're having a great Fourth of July. Uh, I'm going to talk about that at the end of the show. Anyway, we, we also talk about insiders quite a bit here on the show, and uh, why? Because insiders uh, know their companies better than we do, right? And when they buy, they usually buy in for a fundamental reason: new products, uh, new growth rates, um, paying down debt, uh, an acquisition. You know, that type of thing. By the way, they're usually early and uh, usually very, very early, but you should pay close attention. So I'll just take it from there. Now, um, Patrick Soon Shehong 
who is the chairman CEO of uh, Mank West, which is a biotech firm. They have an interesting car key pro- product, I think. Bought uh, 3.7 million shares of the stock, or about 44, maybe 45 million dollars worth of stock. You really like to see when the chairman and the CEO buys a stock, okay? And it's up a lot. This was a $5 stock a while back. It's now about fourteen, fifteen. dollars uh, Pay very close attention. Also, uh, Magenta Therapeutics. Uh, now, this got beat up. It was $12 back in uh, the beginning of June. I think it's $8.12. And uh, Booth Booth, who is uh, a director, bought one uh, 0.25 million shares or about $10 million worth just recently. Um, also, I, uh, start tech, which is, uh, we'll call it specialty business service. This is kind of interesting because the stock was as low as, uh, I think start tech was, you know, down in the, uh, you know, 205 area. It's now at 550 and he's, uh, well, it's CSP management that's buying it. They're, you know, they have somebody on the board. And they bought 1.5 million shares, and they own a ton of it already. So that's about $7.5 million. So something to, to think about. Now, last week we talked about uh, Brightsphere Investment Group, uh, where John Paulson bought uh, 650,000 shares, or about $6.45 million worth. John Paulson is no longer a hedge fund. He is now a family office, so he gave his investors his money back. And I think a lot of people uh, are doing that now in the hedge fund area because they don't want to deal with, um, uh, you know, how, how how much money do you want to shove into the, the FANG stocks, okay, uh, you know, and just to beat the market. And that, that might be a, a fool's game. And then uh, Card, Cardtronics, which is, uh, they're in the, uh, we'll call it healthcare area. Hudson Executive Capital, who owns a ton of the stock already, bought 170,000 shares, and then two days later they bought 100,000 shares to the tune of about $5.5 million. And then Principal Financial Group, uh, which is an insurance company, uh, they had uh, David Gallette buy. He's, uh, if you don't know who he is, uh, you should. He's, he's uh, got about uh, – he bought about a million dollars worth. And then David Mott, who's a director of uh, – Epizyme, which is another biotech that was like in the 22 area back in uh, the first part of June and is now 15 and a half. Uh, he stepped up to the plate and bought a million dollars worth. A um, couple of names that I, I think are interesting, just simply because um, I follow them fairly closely is on the charts, is, is one is called Applied DNA uh, Sciences. It's actually a security and protection services thing. Uh, Bill Montgomery, he's, he used to own 5% of the company at a higher level. Uh, he came in and bought uh, 110,000 shares. So I always like seeing that. And then Alfred Liggins, who's the CEO of uh, Urban One Broadcasting, which is a uh, minority-owned business. It went crazy, by the way. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, it went from like $2 a share up to almost 60 and that's back down at the 16, 17, 18 area, and he bought some more. And then uh, also, you know, I mentioned this last week, but I just noticed that David Mott, who's a director on Ardelex, which is a biotech company, and we bought about a million dollars worth, bought another $450,000 worth of uh, stock. So uh, he, he likes it <laughs> is what it comes down to. So it's one of those deals where, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, – you know, you like to see the multiple buys, okay? Uh, I do anyway. I'm, I'm 
fond of it. I, I think it's uh, it's it's kind of important uh, to to follow these guys, uh, especially when they buy multiple, you know, uh, purchases. So now, look, um, I was watching Bob Dickey stuff, so I you know I'm, I'm repeating uh, some of the best technicians on the planet here on the show. Uh, Bob Dickey has won every award there was, and Rob Schleimer, you know, who funds got grabbed in a second. But we've seen some outside moves in the stock market this year and, and, and perhaps have led investors to the idea that the market may continue to move up in big ways. But look, it's just as normal for the markets to trade sideways for expended, extended periods of time. And we saw this uh, long-term bottom in the markets in March. And uh, uh, we, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, we think we saw a long-term bottom in, in the market in March and a short recovery peak in June. And so we're now developing a range. We think that, well, the indexes could trade in for several months. Now, that doesn't mean you can't make money. It just means the indexes. And what may be happening is the leadership may be being handed off to someone else. Because, uh, you know, look, uh, large-cap technology can only lead the market for so long uh, before it needs to take a rest, okay? So, uh, you know, I don't have a handle yet on where the low of the range may be. I don't think Bob Dickey does either. Uh, not, I mean, it's a hard part. You could go, you know, if you look, if you're terribly uh, bearish, it could be 2,200 or something like that. Uh, if you're if you're more optimistic, uh, it could be different. But uh, you know, look, it's the summer doldrums period, and it'll probably be on steroids. We think for a while, and I think you know, you what you've got to think about is um, uh, you know where where we're going from here. Okay, now, like I said, when we've had these overbought situations, normally it's been up. So we'll see what happens, and I think the Federal Reserve is, you know, basically telling us in so many words, we're going to have low interest rates for a long, long time, okay? So uh, now the market indexes and a lot of individual stocks appear to be developing short-term tropy trends that are a possible indication of a developing correction and a pullback. And, you know, we could have a big correction if, if some of the FANG stocks start to correct but it also could be offset by some of the value stocks starting to do better. Who knows? But, uh, look, there's um, a lot of individual stocks that have been straight up or have made lower highs, you know, that type of thing. So the high volatility market makes the trend harder to see, okay, except that uh, recent down days have been larger than the up days, okay? That's an indication that the sellers of stocks have become more aggressive than the buyers in recent action, okay? So that's something to, to think about. Now, the, the, there is a couple of things I am noticing. Number one was um, utility stocks, um, you know, which have been getting, you know, kind of beat up here uh, for the last couple of months. And we, we suggested that they might um, have come right to, you know, they've been in a sideways pattern uh, since March. And uh, it's, it's a gentle upslope, very gentle upslope. So we're at the bottom of that upslope. So, I think, you know, the prime income list has a few utilities on it, a few REITs on it, because uh, I'm also noticing that some of the real estate investment trusts are in that same pattern. So it could be that, uh, you know, know, we're at the – well, let's just put it this way. I think the Dow Jones Utility Index has moved into – or moved back into a less volatile range than we expect – that we expect to tighten up even further in the coming months, okay? So it'll be bouncing up and down, but – 
you know, you want to buy yield when it's down, okay? And utilities were at, I don't know, the utility index is 950, something like that. It's a 765 right now. So uh, yields are higher. That's when you want to buy. You want to buy yields when they're up, okay? So keep that in mind, and uh, we'll take it from there. Now, uh, one of the things that I have uh, been concentrating on um, is, and I think this is important, if you're, you know, uh, if you're looking at things from a long-term viewpoint, okay, and I think this is important because people sometimes don't do that. They get so uh, worked up with what's going on during the day. But we're go- we just came back this fall, I mean this uh, spring, to the uptrend line that, uh, to the bottom that we had in 09. So we've been, you know, we, we have this, it's a big, big uh, uptrend. Uh, and what we do with uptrends is we just draw a line over the top and then over the bottom. But we went back to where we were in 2009, so we tested that low again, and it worked. Okay, so I, I think it's important, but I still think we're in, in this massive bull market, and I think you know that's important. But one of the things we look at is the four month through the uh, thirteen month, and usually when the four month is above the thirteen month, you're in a bull market. When it's below it, then you got a problem. Uh, there is kind of a still a wide gap there, so we probably you know we'll call it bear territory right now. So I think you know you know. You, you got to have some sideways movement to, to to take care of that. The other thing is, investor sentiment is pretty low right now. Uh, it's not as low as it was in 2017, or in, um, but it, it's down there. Okay, so it, it's it's important. Um, I I do think that uh, there's some, uh, you know, gold once again is you know looks like it could break out. If gold were to break out over 1920, it would be big, but it's at 1800 now. I do think oil is going to trade in a sideways movement for a pretty long time. But the thing that, you know, we talked about was the Commodity Research Bureau Index back in 2009 uh, to today is down 85%. 85%. That's a big move down. It's back to where it was in 1959. Uh, so this is really bullish long term, and I just think you got to keep that in mind. So what would I be doing? Well, first of all, I think, you know, I'm going to enjoy my holiday. <laughs> And uh, but I, I you know it's a good time to borrow money and if you have a, a big portfolio you can use a credit access line. It's the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook is probably a good thing to look at. I think the dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list. There's five or six stocks on each of those lists that are great. Our ADR list is starting to look good. Take a look at my webpage. Go to WHK1420. Go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show Tim Hayes. Goes directly to my webpage on the Insight side of it, it has exploring international markets. And then also uh, we have another piece. It's called uh, Opportunities in a Zero Interest Rate Market. Uh, highly recommend that for you fixed income people. But we, we do have that and, and also the wealth plan, uh, et cetera. But we do have a new top idea out. So if you'd like that, give me a call. and or, or I, I, My phone number's on there or just hit the contact me. In the meantime, um, and there are a lot of really good-looking charts out there. Uh, and I think that what you want to do is buy everything on weakness. Let them come back to you. Uh, simple as that. In the meantime, have a great Fourth of July. Remember, is life so great a piece so sweet that it should be purchased by a, the chains of slavery? Well, money, God forbid it. For I know what a course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Have a great Fourth of July. God bless. This is Smart Investor Show. Remember, buy low and sell high.